Brought to you by Marker Cabono, President, National Federation of the Blind. Live the life you want. Greetings, fellow Federationists. Today is May 1st, 2020, and this is Presidential Release Number 494. I am talking to you from uh, the main conference room here at the National Federation of the Blind. Uh, Jernigan Institute. I'm here at our um, board meeting table, I guess you would call it. Uh, surrounded in this room, if you've never been here, on three walls are uh, all Braille books that were part of Dr. Jernigan's personal Braille book collection. Also behind me, uh, over my right shoulder, is the United States flag, and over my left shoulder, the Federation flag. Certainly, Federationists who have been in our building would be very familiar with this room. So it's a pleasure to be with you uh, this evening. And as I was preparing, I realized, man, there is a lot to talk about. And uh, even just since we were together for the presidential release on April 2nd, so much has happened. First and foremost, uh, I hope that each and every one of you are doing well. And I know that on a daily basis, I am strengthened by the hope and determination that I uh, feel from talking to other Federationists around the country, the great work that is happening, even in the face of many challenges, our organization is um, stronger and more together than uh, maybe at any other time in our coming up on 80 year history. So let me jump right in so that we can have as much time for questions as possible. First of all, I know that Everybody wants to talk about the national convention. At our last presidential release, we said we were still analyzing, looking at what we were gonna do. You now know that we have decided, the board of directors, after looking at this, has decided to take our convention online. First and foremost, tough, tough decision. But the board decided there was clearly too many unknowns and that we needed to begin planning to have our biggest and best convention ever. Uh, let's get through some logistics. If you registered uh, at the hotel in Houston, made a room reservation either at the Hilton or the Marriott, you will get a full refund of your deposit. Uh, we have talked with the reservation staff at both hotels and they are working on canceling the reservations at the Hilton and Marriott and issuing full refunds to the credit cards that were used. Uh, as you might imagine, those hotels both um, have very slim staffs right now. So it might take up to two weeks for all of those reservations to get processed and refunded. If you do not hear anything uh, by May 8, we ask you to send an email to Susan Scarr here at our national office her email address is S-S-K-A-A-R-E-R -E at nfb.org. Include your reservation number and we'll follow up on it for you. There's no need to call the hotel. <clears throat> they will be working on the refunds. If you registered uh, for the convention and maybe bought some banquet tickets, you should have 
had one of our team reach out to you already about your uh, registration and banquet fees. And thank you to many of you who are tuned in who uh, asked to donate uh, those directly to the Federation to support the work that we're doing, doing during COVID-19 and recognizing that we are gonna have expenses related to the convention. Let's talk a little bit about the plans for our 2020 convention, our biggest convention ever, I do believe. I'm gonna give you as many details as I can this evening. You should know, and it's maybe obvious that yeah, th this is an evolving situation. We're working very quickly to re-engineer what we're gonna do. We're doing a lot of research to make sure we can make this the best convention ever. First and foremost, what are the dates of the convention? Well, you probably said July 14 to 19, and you would have been right, except you're no longer right. It's now July 14 to 18, 14 to 18. Uh, we uh, took a hard look at the convention and um, decided that we would shave a day off, knowing that um, it's gonna be uh, a lot to be online for five days. We want all of our members to treat this convention like a convention. Uh, we know some people are gonna dip in and dip out, but we know that true federationists, if they at all can, want this to be a real convention and to dedicate the time and make the commitment to have this be a true cohesive convention. So we want people to dedicate the time to be at the convention, engaged in the activities, and we're having a lot of careful conversations about how to do that recognizing that some of us are already getting uh, burned out on being online all the time. So we want you to treat it like a real convention. So we shaved a day off and that also allows us to put the banquet on Sunday evening. Now, um, I know Pam especially is concerned about Rookie Roundup. We are gonna have a Rookie Roundup. It will probably be the day before the convention or maybe a week before the convention. Many of us have said we're all gonna be rookies for our first online convention. So we will have a rookie roundup. We're gonna schedule it in, uh, in advance of the convention so people can use that as a way to prepare for what the convention will be. We wanna be very accommodating for all of the Federation across the country, recognizing our Hawaii affiliate is many hours behind the East Coast. Uh, we're committing that none of our activities will start before 9 a.m. Eastern time. Now that's still pretty early in Hawaii, but of course, uh, there won't be too many activities that early. And if you've been to one of our conventions, you know they start early and end late. We're gonna try not to have activities, official meetings end past 10 p.m. Eastern. That's our current parameters we're working on. Let me tell you a little bit about the structure of the convention because it's a little bit different. Tuesday, July 14th would have been seminar day and it still is seminar day. Our parents, division, uh, rehab meetings, technology meetings. We're envisioning most of that will be uh, very similar to what you've known. The changes start to come on day two, Wednesday, July 15th, which you would have known as registration day, uh, will now be board meeting and resolutions day. It's always been resolutions day, but you note that we've moved the board meeting, at least at this time, to that Wednesday. On Thursday, July 16th, that's still division day, but that's also gonna feature our opening ceremonies in the evening. 
So our opening ceremonies will be kicking off on Thursday, July 16th in the evening. Friday, July 17th, if you know the normal pattern, uh, you would re have recognized this as the opening session day, including the presidential report. And we're still calling that presidential report day, but we'll have a full day of general sessions on that day. Also, each one of our affiliates will be holding an affiliate caucus uh, that day uh, between some specified hours. So we're expecting every affiliate to have a caucus on Friday of the convention. And then Saturday, of course, is our, our business meeting, our resolutions, and the banquet. So we have repackaged things just a little bit, hoping that where we can have in-person meetings and gatherings to listen and participate in the convention, that might be able to happen Thursday evening, Friday, Saturday, some combination thereof. We are hoping we can get people together by that time, at least to some degree in some places. A lot of people want to know what platform are we going to use? We're doing a lot of Zoom. Are we going to do Zoom? Are we going to do something else? We're still evaluating that question. Uh, we're not fully committed to uh, the exact platform. We're being very careful about what's out there. Accessibility, of course, is a primary question for us. And we want to make sure that we can include any everybody, not just the folks who uh, have access to um, a computer and internet connection. Uh, we want to connect people via telephone. We are working to have a high level of engagement in the convention. This is kind of a challenge considering, again, that fact that we have people on the telephone, we have people with smartphones or without smartphones. Some people have internet, some don't, but we want a high level of engagement in the convention, including voting, if we can work that out. And as an aside to affiliates on voting, this is where your membership lists being submitted is going to be really critical. Now, if you have not registered for the convention, you need to do so. Registration is open and the board has made the commitment that registration is free. You can go to nfb.org convention and you will need to register to be eligible to participate in certain things at the convention, including door prizes. Registration is going to close on June 15. That'll give us time to work out details that we need to and communicate with folks. We do currently envision there may be a way to register during the convention, but don't wait. Get your registration in by June 15 so you can get ready, do the planning and have everything you need to be ready for our convention. We are gonna have door prizes at the convention. What would a convention be without door prizes? And uh, it's going to be interesting to figure out how, uh, if you're tuned in or not. But we're going to work on that. We do need door prizes for the convention. So please send in door prizes. It'd be great to have a major door prize, a basket or something from each of our 52 affiliates and other nifty things. You can send them to the National Federation of the Blind. And you should mark them attention, convention, deaf dash FS, that's for fiscal services, so convention dash FS. And as you may know, our address is 200 East Wells Street, Baltimore, Maryland, 21230. Please get your door prize donations into us as soon as possible. We are gonna be disseminating more information to our affiliates and divisions about 
how to actively participate in the convention. As those details come together, we do expect that our delegates are gonna do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of receiving communications and uh, making uh, sharing information across the delegation for the affiliate. Also, I welcome your ideas about what the convention can, should look like. Uh, we recognize we're not gonna be able to do everything we might want to do, considering we now only have two and a half months left to plan the details. But your ideas are welcome. What speakers should we have? What topics? What would be most interesting? How can we keep it engaging even at a distance? How can we bring the spirit of the Federation to it? Please send your ideas to me at Office of the President at nfb.org. Now, some of you have signed up for our Kenneth Jernigan Convention Scholarships, and since we don't have a convention destination to send people to, our, our Kenneth Jernigan Convention Scholarship uh, Fund Committee is thinking about how to uh, manage uh, convention participation and how to do some new and dynamic things going forward. So our committee is putting together a, a first time convention experience uh, video contest that you're gonna see some uh, more information about, but we're gonna be asking everyone who is willing to participate in this contest to create a one minute video, not more than one minute or an audio uh, file uh, talking about your first convention and uh, what it meant to you. We all know that that first convention uh, is something very special. It helps us understand the power, influence, the family that we have in the National Federation of the Blind. And uh, so you're gonna wanna participate in this contest uh, to give us some great content to promote our 2020 convention and also tell people why participating in our convention is important. And you could win some cash prizes and whatever else our Kenneth Jernigan Scholarship Fund uh, Committee thinks up. Now I know I'm not eligible to win a prize in this contest. So, uh, you know, if I was gonna do a video, I might've uh, talked about uh, my first experience at my convention, how powerful it was, especially at the end of the convention, really uh, putting it all together when my friends that I had made who were all graduates from the Louisiana Center for the Blind, uh, I tagged along with them to Disneyland thinking this has gotta be crazy, a bunch of blind people walking through Disneyland without help. Well, it cemented for me, uh, not only the techniques that I heard about all week, but the philosophy and the value of what we do in the National Federation of the Blind. Or maybe I would tell a story about some of the people I met at my first convention, like Buna DeHaul, who I met because she was selling candy bars for our Illinois affiliate, and she wouldn't leave me alone until I bought a candy bar. And she's been my good friend now for 24 years. So uh, that was more than a minute. So I'm already ineligible for that. So get your videos in, pay attention. There's gonna be information coming out in the next couple of weeks about the convention and uh, our video contest. In addition to the convention, uh, we have been busier than ever in our advocacy work. The COVID-19 pandemic has made some of our legislative priorities uh, even more pressing with respect to 
economic and independent living, you know, our Access Technology Affordability Act continues to get interest in Congress and be very relevant in the conversation about how to get blind people uh, back into employment and uh, how to get access to information. That's HR 80, excuse me, HR 2086 and S815 continue to promote the Access Technology Affordability Act. With respect to Social Security Disability, uh, we are continuing to request that in the next uh, bill that Congress considers, sometimes it's called C4 or the Mini Cares Bill, uh, we're pursuing to get a waiver of the five-month uh, waiting period for SSDI benefits or the 24-month waiting period for Medicare. Uh, we're getting interest on that in Congress as well. So stay tuned because I'm sure there will be a need for some further advocacy in those areas. We should also celebrate uh, one of the many victories we've had in the last week. Uh, the Department of Education released their much anticipated report on Monday of this week, and the report was intended to give recommendations to Congress about any waivers that should happen with regard to the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, the Rehabilitation Act, or other laws. And I am very pleased to report that uh, no objectionable waiver, waivers were requested by the Department of Education, and I believe that is a direct result of the strong advocacy of the National Federation of the Blind sending a very clear message uh, to the Secretary of Education that at this time, blind students need as much support and education as everyone else. And I think the, the fact that the report uh, not only doesn't ask for waivers, but in fact asks for uh, waivers that are good for bl uh, blind students. In fact, uh, one of the waivers that is requested extends eligibility for uh, toddlers who are getting services who, whose services would have ended when they turned three years old. So uh, we didn't get anything bad. In fact, we got some good stuff and that's because of the network of the National Federation of the Blind and our advocacy. In addition, I wanna give a shout out to our National Association of Blind Merchants who were able to instigate the Secretary of Education recommending for a waiver uh, that would allocate vocational rehabilitation funds to replace spoiled food and expired supplies for Randolph Shepherd business owners. Our merchants have been very uh, active in making sure we protect uh, blind small, blind owned small businesses through the Randolph Shepherd program and state owned businesses. So hats off to Nikki Gekos and to our blind merchants uh, for that work. And uh, it's a pleasure to continue to coordinate on those efforts. All of this and other victories we've had uh, demonstrate the power of our collective action, of our individual actions collectively focused. So thank you to each and every one of you for making those calls, sending those emails, and continue to watch because there will be more to do. 
Now, many of you should have received your economic impact payment from the government. Most blind people who are currently receiving SSDI should have received their uh, economic impact payments earlier this week. If you are receiving SSI, we understand that uh, you should be receiving your economic impact payment before the end of this month. Keep in mind that if you're an SSI recipient and you have uh, dependents, you have until May 5th to add your dependent information to make sure you receive the additional uh, funds for dependents under that program. Uh, to do so, you'll need to fill out the IRS uh, non-filer uh, enter payment info tool and that information and the link to that can be found on our COVID-19 page. If you have questions uh, about the economic impact payments and the details around them, especially for getting SSDI or SSI, you can go to nfb.org slash COVID-19. Uh, we have a ton of information there that's changing almost daily. If you have questions, you can also email John Perret at J-P-A-R-E at nfb.org. A couple legal items and also relating to SSDI. We are seeking individuals who are currently in the process of applying for SSDI benefits, uh, maybe because of lost employment. So if you're in the process of applying, we'd like to talk to you. And uh, especially if you've had to sign with a physical signature, various Social Security Administration forms. We also wish to speak with blind persons who have recently filled out SSA form uh, 1696, 1696. Uh, this is the form that is used to uh, appoint someone to represent you in front of the Social Security Administration. If you fit that category or know someone who does, please reach out to Valerie Yingling in our office. I'm gonna give you her info in a minute, but we're also requesting information about the inaccessibility of state unemployment websites. We've heard a number of stories about blind people running into inaccessibility on unemployment websites. If you've had that trouble, Please share your experience uh, with that uh, with Valerie Yingling as well so we can see if we can help and we can gather data. You can reach Valerie at our office via email by sending an email to vyingling at nfb.org or at our main number 410-659-9314 extension 24. Four zero. Uh, we are coming up on Global Accessibility Awareness Day. It's a good opportunity to talk about the web accessibility work we are doing. We will be hosting a Twitter chat on May 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I'd encourage you to get involved with that to help push our uh, accessibility efforts and web accessibility and especially our Accessible Now 
effort that we've been undertaking during COVID-19. The hashtag we're using is accessible now for our Twitter chat on the 15th of this month. Another thing that we're doing, and of course we've been doing for a long time, but it is intense right now, is uh, making sure that we're tracking and protecting the rights of blind voters. We've had some great victories in Maryland and a number of other states. We're continuing to track what's happening in the states. If you're running into voting problems, please reach out to Luann Blake in our office. Luann coordinates our Help America Vote Act activities. You can reach her at lblake at nfb.org or find her at extension 2221 at our national office. Now we've had a partnership with Lyft during the last two months to um, provide some support for transportation for those who might need uh, emergency transportation or have trouble getting out to uh, get medicine or supplies because of transportation issues. And our uh, work in April, uh, we got confirmation that we could continue uh, issuing uh, travel credits to folks very late in the month. So Lyft has extended our exclusive National Federation of the Blind uh, Lyft credit program through the end of May. So additional coupons for Lyft riders are available in the amount of $25 that can be used for uh, emergency purposes related to helping blind people in need during the COVID-19 pandemic. There are a limited quantity of these available, but if you know of a blind person who could benefit or you are a blind person who is in need, please reach out to your affiliate president. Affiliate presidents have more information. They can issue the code to you. And we do need to collect some data to make sure we can report back to Lyft on the impact. But uh, I think it's really exciting that Lyft continues to work with us on this. I wanna remind you about our Braille Monitor. That's our flagship publication, and there are a number of articles this month about uh, issues related to COVID-19 that uh, may be of interest. The Braille Monitor is our flagship publication. You can get it in, well, almost any way imaginable. A uh, quick apology to our, our uh, Braille readers who get the hard copy Braille of the Monitor. Right now, that is delayed because the producer that does the hard copy Braille for us is closed at the moment, but uh, you will get your back issues in hard copy Braille very soon, and we are making the BRF files available. There's another great issue, uh, articles in this month's issue. I'd call out to you, there's an article about uh, counseling and the coronavirus, a perspective on well-being authored by Candace Chapman and Jeannie Massey, two of our outstanding leaders. Uh, that's just one of the many great articles I'd encourage you to go read the Braille Monitor and submit articles. The uh, COVID-19 situation has created some opportunities for us to really stretch beyond where we thought we might want to this summer. And one of those is our National Federation of the Blind Braille Enrichment for Literacy and Learning program, two-week summer programs to provide Braille instruction to blind students. We've decided to reformat that this for this summer uh, for obvious reasons. So we're launching NFB Bell in-home edition. 
There will be uh, three two-week sessions. The first will be June 1st to June 12th. Second, June 23rd to July 3rd. And my favorite session, July 27th to August 7th. That kicks off my birthday week, July 27th. Um, students will be receiving uh, a box of materials. So the goal is that we're gonna be sending families all the materials they need for their child to participate in our NFB Bell in-home edition. And so we wanna get families registered for this as soon as possible. There will be a limited number of opportunities. Families will have the opportunity to connect each day with a, an experienced teacher and also to get their child connected with a blind role model. So some of this will be self-directed instruction, but also supported with lessons, YouTube videos, things like that. We need families to register and we need to get the word out. Obviously, if the first program starts June 1st, that's a month from the day. The registration form is available at nfb.org slash bell, B-E-L-L. So please spread the word, get families to sign up, and we need to reach out to families. This is a great resource and it's gonna push us into trying something with braille literacy that really nobody else in the nation is trying. Now, here's something I also need your help on. Uh, next Tuesday is Giving Tuesday Now. This is a global giving campaign to support nonprofits and the work that they're doing during the COVID-19 pandemic. So May 5th, uh, we need your help to get critical dollars into this organization to support the programs that we're innovating, really, like the NFB Bell in-home edition. Imagine if everyone tuned in this evening, uh, gave $20 or got someone else to give $20 or better yet did both. That would be a tremendous influx of resources to support these new programs that we're launching, but it's even better. Because of our partnership and friends at the Gibney Family Foundation, all of our donations for Giving Tuesday Now will be matched by the Gibney Family Foundation. So a shout out to uh, our friends at the Gibney Family Foundation for that support for our Giving Tuesday donation efforts. So we need you to give. We also need you to spread the word and message uh, over the next few days so that we can get as much reach on this as possible and get donations into the organization. You can give online. You can send us a check to our national headquarters. You can even call our office and our main number and hit four. If you called right now, you'd get a voicemail, but we'll call you back and we can take your donation via phone. If you donate online or send a check, please write GT for Giving Tuesday so we know we can designate it to that campaign and we can uh, multiply your contribution through the generosity of the Gibney Family Foundation. Besides considering to give and certainly promoting the program, we are gonna have a Facebook event. Please promote that, share it widely. There's something else I need each and every Federationist to do, and it's easy to do. I need you to write a thank you note uh, to the Gibney Family Foundation from you to let them know how important it is that their support of our efforts at this time and with Giving Tuesday, uh, what that means to you. Uh, the best notes would tell how the NFB has been helpful to you, especially 
during the COVID-19 pandemic, but also more broadly tell your story, a little piece of your story about how the Federation has made a difference. Uh, these should not be long notes. Uh, they can be relatively short. In fact, 100 to 200 words would be fine. Obviously, the goal is to thank the Gibney Foundation, let them know something personal from you about the impact of the National Federation of the Blind, why these dollars matter to us now. Uh, write your note and please send it to outreach at nfb.org. And if we have uh, chapter members that don't have email, please help them. Uh, write their notes uh, and get them into a form and get them into the email so that we can share all of these uh, notes with the Gibney Family Foundation. It will make a big difference in addition to the dollars, so please take a moment to do that. Okay, before I uh, turn this back over to Pam, I do have a number of Federation family notes to share with you uh, this month. Uh, first and foremost, we do know that a number of our members have been directly impacted by the coronavirus. Thank goodness we've had a number of members who have had the virus and recovered. Uh, some very prominently have not. Uh, I'm sure you have already heard about uh, Dr. Brian Miller, a longtime member of ours from Virginia, has participated in many activities, including our scholarship committee, fought a battle with the virus, but passed away in April. Also, uh, Loretta Bunn, a longtime member of our Wayne County chapter, uh, passed away on Thursday, April 23rd. And in addition, uh, Ruby Wirtz, a member of, uh, a member and the wife of our Detroit chapter member, Johnny Wirtz, passed away uh, earlier in April from the virus. I am also aware of a number of Federationists who have had family members uh, pass away, friends, because of the virus, and I'm sure there are others I don't know about. So I'd urge you to keep these individuals uh, and their families and uh, all of our members grappling with the virus in your thoughts and prayers, as I'm sure you already do. We've had a number of other members who have passed away. Charlie Brown of Virginia reports the passing of Amy Barnes at age 95. Uh, she was a founding member and a longtime president of our Winchester, Virginia chapter of the National Federation of the Blind. Uh, please keep her husband, Stanley, and family in your thoughts and prayers. Also, uh, Scott Van Gorp of Iowa reports the passing of Doug Wolf, a member of the at-large chapter in Iowa. You could keep his wife, JD, in your thoughts and prayers. We also learned of the passing of Ron... Etchinson, a member of the North Metro chapter of the NFB of Colorado and an active participant in our senior programs at the Colorado Center for the Blind. Joe Ruffalo shares the passing of John Ferry at age 34, uh, who died of liver cancer. Uh, John was from New Jersey but was living in Denver at the time that he passed. 
The National Federation of the Blind of West Virginia reports the passing of Travis Kane, the son of affiliate treasurer Sandy Streets on April 29, so just a few days ago. He was only 40 years old and Travis was an active member of the Harris County chapter of the Federation. Uh, Barbara Briggs, who had been an active member of the Kansas City chapter of the National Federation of the Blind of Missouri for 25 years, passed away on Thursday, April 23rd. Michael Hinkson of California reports the passing of John Bates, a longtime member of ours in Orange County, California. Grace Pyers of Rhode Island uh, says that she regrets to report the passing of Richard Gaffney in the middle of April. Richard was a founding member of our affiliate and a longtime leader and our immediate past president there. Pam Allen reports the passing of Susan Clark earlier this week. Susan, uh, if you've been around the organization, you know she was a 25-year staff member at the Louisiana Center for the Blind and known and loved by many. And uh, finally, I need to tell you of the passing of Rami Rabbi, who passed away on April 17th in Israel. Uh, Rami was one of our charter members of the National Federation of the Blind of Illinois and its first affiliate president. He was a pioneer in getting blind people uh, into the foreign service and uh, was a hard fighter in that regard. So we have a lot to, to be thankful for Rami uh, about. Um, I last got to be with Rami in uh, Israel on a visit uh, that I did there with Dr. Maurer and some others. Got to have dinner with Rami and others and uh, Rami made it clear that how much he wished that the organizations in Israel operated like the National Federation of the Blind. I'd urge you to keep all of these individuals, their families, their friends in the Federation in your thoughts and prayers and give thanks for the tremendous contributions they've made to our movement. Now, it's Seems to be a busy month for Federation news. I have some joyous news to share with you before I turn this back over to Pam. Denise Brown invites us to congratulate two members of the Greater Philadelphia chapter of the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania. Gloria Nathan and Larry Cherry were married on April 15th in a ceremony that took place in their church. So congratulations to the Cherries. Emily Gibbs, Director of Youth and Education Services for the National Federation of the Blind of Texas, reports that Emily and her husband, Richard, completed their family and adopted five children on March 4th, Adrian, uh, 14, Oscar, 11, Kimberly, 9, Jasmine, 5, and James, 4. Welcome to uh, the newest members of the Federation, and congratulations to the Gibbs 7, I guess we'll call them. 
Uh, Norma Crosby, also from Texas, announces the birth of Sophia Regina Hernandez, born on April 8th, weighing in at seven pounds and six ounces, and uh, at 18 and a half inches long. Uh, Sophia is the daughter of Hilda and Rolando Hernandez. Rolando uh, serves as president of our Rio Grande Valley chapter, and both of them are very active in the programs to build the federation in Texas. And finally, bringing it back to Louisiana, Rosie and Marco Carranza of Louisiana welcomed Mateo Francisco Carranza on April 27th at 8.38 a.m. Mateo weighed in at five pounds, 10 ounces, and 19 and a quarter inches long. All are doing great, according to Pam Allen. And big sister Camila and Sophia are very excited about Mateo's arrival. So congratulations and welcome to our newest members of the National Federation of the Blind. We look forward to getting to meet you soon. Those are the notes that I had for this release. At this point, Pam, I'm gonna turn it back over to you. Okay, thank you so much, President Riccobono. And it's wonderful to hear all of the happenings going on in our Federation family. I, I know that Mateo is listening. So um, we are, I wanna thank everybody too for the questions that have been submitted. I just, before we start with our questions, I wanna go over quickly a few housekeeping things. First of all, remember that everyone is muted and unable to mute yourselves. So uh, just to remind everybody about that, if you are, if I call upon you to ask a question, you'll be unmuted. And uh, just to let you know about that. And then once you've finished asking the question, you'll be muted again. And if you have questions or comments, remember you can su submit them through the chat feature directly to the National Federation of the Blind. It is available in the app, the Zoom app, or um, through the Zoom desktop application. And also you may email Chris Danielson. His email is cdanielson, that's C-D-A-N-I-E-L-S-E-N -E -E at nfb.org. So remember, we are gonna do our best to answer all the questions. We have some fabulous questions. I know many were answered in your remarks tonight, President Riccomono, and many of them centered on convention. Everybody's counting down till we get there. And also a quick reminder too that our recording will be available of the presidential release at nfb.org publications later on after um, the release. So first of all, in, related to convention, we had a question come in from Laura Vincent from Utah about Spanish translation for our national convention and how that will be handled this year for convention. Uh, well, thanks, Laura, for that question. It is a great question, and uh, there will be uh, Spanish interpretation. How it will be handled, we don't exactly know yet. Um, it is uh, high on our requirements list, uh, for our convention platform and what we're planning to do. We are expecting to uh, continue as always to be able to leverage the great work of our Spanish translation committee uh, in that effort. Um, I can't give you the particulars of it right now because we just don't know 
but we are keeping it in mind. Excuse me, we also plan to again uh, make our convention agenda information available in Spanish as we have been for, I don't know, a number of years now. Um, so uh, there, that is in the plan and uh, I'm sure we're gonna need people's help in making that happen. Excellent. And also Laura had a follow-up question concerning recording of the convention and division meetings, if they will be available later to access. Uh, again, we don't exactly know the, the answer to that. Once we um, figure out what platform we're going to use and how we're going to deliver that, um, uh, we'll figure that out. Um, certainly our general sessions will be uh, recorded and archived. I don't necessarily anticipate we're going to uh, record and archive every meeting. Uh, we will do some of that, but you know, we do want people to show up and participate in the convention if they can. So we're simply not going to be able to record every single meeting and archive it. Uh, you know, our, our meeting, our convention has hundreds of different meetings. Uh, so the main ones will be recorded and archived and where we can get to other ones we will, uh, but we do want people to participate live if they can. Okay, excellent. Thank you. And another following up, we are about to introduce Chad Allen from California to ask a question, another question related to convention. Hi, everyone. I'm curious about Exhibit Hall this year. How are we going to experience the latest and greatest in regards to technology that's there? Uh, Chad, great to hear your voice. Thanks for your question. Uh, this is an interesting question we're, we're grappling with. How do we duplicate the uh, convention experience of going around the exhibit hall? And uh, certainly for blind people, uh, we wanna put our hands on technology. That's how we know what it is and uh, experience it. I certainly don't wanna drop many thousands of dollars on a, on a braille device that I haven't gotten to put my hands on, right? Uh, so we're thinking about that. Uh, we're looking at what platforms are out there uh, we're talking with some of our sponsors and exhibitors about uh, what they've seen might work. So we don't exactly know yet. Um, it's not going to be the you know full rich environment that you know being in the exhibit hall where you can actually touch stuff is. But we are hoping to connect um, vendors and blind people in a dynamic way, at least to provide information that might um, facilitate follow-up. So it's something we're spending a lot of time on. We're talking to the uh, exhibitors about, and certainly if we have uh, members who are business owners that have seen things work, we'd like to hear about it. Uh, shoot us an email. You can reach out to John Berggren. He's our uh, director of convention arrangements. His email address is J. B-E-R-G-G-R-E-N at nfb.org. Thanks, Chad, great question. Okay, excellent, thank you so much. And just to let everybody know, we have between our stream and listening via our Zoom app and on the phone, we have over 900 people currently. So we're thrilled that all of you are spending your Friday night with us as our Federation family. Another question that we have is, has been sent in from Tony Soul from our Arizona affiliate. And Tony had a question concerning um, whether or not we will 
be able to meet in person again for conventions and chapter meetings? Well, I, I, there, there will be a time. <laughs> there will be a time. Uh, I know it doesn't feel like it some days. Uh, there will be a time. Um, you know, and we don't, uh, we don't know um, how long this is going to last. Obviously, we want to do our part to make sure that um, as blind people, as an organization, we're uh, contributing to making the situation better. And if you're following the news, which I'm sure all of you are, um, it's going to be a while before we have a vaccine. Uh, and so social distancing to some degree is, is going to happen. That's going to challenge us to think about what our state conventions look like, what our chapter meetings look like. I do anticipate, I have no reason to think otherwise, that we will have an in-person convention, national convention in 2021. A lot of our affiliates are planning for, thinking about in-person conventions for the fall. But, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a day-to-day -day, uh, situation that we continue to monitor and we'll continue to advise uh, affiliates and chapters as best we can. Of course, there is a lot of variance in local communities now. You know, I've talked to affiliate presidents just this week who their affiliates are, you know, their states are opening up. So they're starting to think about it. Uh, we want to be cautious because, of course, we want to protect our blind people while we keep them connected. And um, I think Pam can be the first one to tell you as, as being the first state to uh, postpone an affiliate convention. It's not an easy set of um, questions to work through. I know that in our Federation family, we have definitely risen to the challenge and found very creative ways to maintain our connections and build our membership and get the work done that we need to do. Thanks to your leadership and thanks to all of us working together around the country. So um, now we have a question. Um, we will be hearing from Corb O'Connor from Minnesota. Hello, I am uh, fortunate to still be working uh, from home, but I know that a lot of our members are not. And I'm curious for those who are in a situation where they've lost their job, um, if you have any guidance for them around earning both or applying for both unemployment and social security disability or SSDI. Uh, thanks, Corb. Great, great to hear your voice. Uh, nothing like a very complicated question to throw out. <laughs> I'm going to give you the, I'm, I'm going to give you the simple answer and, and, uh, and then refer you to a resource because it is a great question. Um, first of all, um, unemployment uh, benefits do not count as earnings in terms of social security disability income. So that's the, the main thing you should know. And the second part of that is um, oftentimes when apply, uh, applying for unemployment, the uh, unemployment worker may tell you, well, because you um, are eligible for social security disability, that means you can't work and that means you're not eligible for uh, unemployment benefits. That's uh, baloney, don't buy it. Uh, if they, you get a ruling like that, you should appeal it. That's not a social security decision. That's an unemployment decision in your state. Uh, fortunately, because of the great resources we have in the Federation, we've um, published a lot of good information about this very topic, including some 
the, some of the subtleties around both SSDI and SSI and unemployment benefits. It's on our COVID-19 page. So again, nfb.org slash COVID-19. I'd encourage you to look, look at that and, and Corbin, your case, uh, you know, study it so that you can help uh, blind people that you might come across who are in that situation. That's what we do. But uh, our, our team, along with um, Jim Gashel, who um, knows more about this than most, most folks in Social Security, have written up some great guidance on it. So it's a good question, and we should help people get connected with that information. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Corb. And our next question um, is related to, we talked a little bit on the last presidential release about the media and misconceptions that are sometimes shown in the media about blindness. And we've had several questions related to how can we respond to help share what we know to be the truth about blindness, that it doesn't stop us from living the lives that we want if someone says something negative or stereotypical about blindness. Well, obviously the power of um, using our, our voice, um, both in writing and um, in calling, uh, you know, if you, if you read a story uh, in the newspaper or um, if you see something on television, uh, there's an opportunity to write, write, a, write a letter um, and tell them why they're wrong. Um, and uh, most importantly, write your authentic story and share it with them, and uh, and then share your story with us for the Braille Monitor, for our blog, for our social media, so we can amplify that message as well. You know, it's very easy sometimes to think, ah, oh, you know, they, they got it wrong again. I'm so tired of them getting it wrong. There's nothing I can do about it. But we have a tremendous amount of power when we write and push back on those negative images. Um, you know, we, we do want to stay positive uh, and we do uh, want to take the high road, but it's really important that we put out into the universe the positive experiences that we have and that we're, we honestly grapple with, you know, what some of the new situations are going to mean for us. People are going to assume that for us, things are gonna be harder, but we don't do that in the Federation. We're, we're innovative and we figure out solutions. And so we have to be part of that dialogue. So, you know, use the power of the pen, use the power of your voice to, to help share the message and then uh, get other Federationists to help you with it. Okay, great, thank you so much. We have another question from Tara and Chris Chavez from New Mexico, a question about whether it's possible to purchase cane tips currently or canes or items from our independence market. Uh, great question. So we are continuing to send out um, canes from our free white cane program. Uh, the independence market is not open uh, yet. So that's not quite available. We are watching very closely the situation in Maryland and um, Governor Hogan's um, been a leader in the nation in terms of um, being very cautious and thoughtful about how to open up uh, the economy. So uh, we're tracking that very closely and the independence market is gonna be 
you know, one of our early operations that we will spin up when we can. Um, so I uh, apologize that, that we're not able to take orders and do that right now. And that's somewhat complicated by the, the difficulty that we've had with our e-commerce version uh, of the store. So um, I guess the good news is there aren't too many places we can go, so <laughs> except on a walk, which is a good thing. So uh, we're going to get on getting um, aids and appliances and cane tips and stuff going out as soon as we can. And believe me, once the doors are open, we'll, uh, we'll share it far and wide. Okay, great. We have another question related to um, how we can convince legislators that the ATAA is relevant to COVID-19. Well, uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, the Access Technology Affordability Act uh, has come very close a number of times to be included in, in bills. Uh, it has a lot of support. Um, so, I think the important thing is to emphasize how expensive uh, access technology is and to emphasize how um, wide the gap is just with the COVID-19 situation and accessibility, right? The, the government um, edicts, that are put out that are inaccessible, that we have to find a way to work around. Local uh, information about what the current rules are that are put up in scanned uh, PDF images that are inaccessible. Uh, just those two things alone, and to let legislators know that the ATAA will empower us to go out and get the technology we need to be successful and put those dollars back in our pockets so that we um, can, don't have to decide to have technology or food on the table. Uh, I think those are the two best arguments. And then uh, the last thing I'd say is, yeah, tell your story. I mean, each of us has a story about um, struggling to get technology, not having access to the right technology. Um, just the situation with COVID-19 has really underscored um, how many blind people just don't have good technology at home, even if they're working in um, a job, the technology to have it at home is still very expensive. So there's a real opportunity there to enhance our quality of life by putting the control back in our hands to get the technology we need. We have a couple other questions that we've gotten that are, related to social distancing. Chris Walker from Virginia is curious to know how we as blind people, as the regulations are implemented in various states, how that impacts us as blind people and how moving forward we will proceed. Uh, that's a great question that uh, Chris, I'm hoping you're gonna give me the answer to. I, th I think, you know, uh, this is a good, um, example of, of what we do in the Federation. Um, we're going to want to continue to live in the world and we have the right to live in the world. And we have a decision in front of us. It's obvious, I think, to many of us, but we do. Uh, we can either let 
others decide um, what the parameters are going to be for how we participate in in the continued social distancing and what the expectations are, or we can be part of that conversation and own it and own how we're going to participate in it. And I think that's going to challenge us to think creatively and differently, but it's also going to challenge us to use the skills we already have. You know, when I go down to the grocery store down the street here from our national headquarters, they have a little line uh, on the ground. It's not tactile in any way that's supposed to tell you where you're supposed to queue up. Well, I have no idea where the line is. I just have to ask somebody. And if they say, hey, you're past the line, I say, oh, my apologies. I didn't know. And, and uh, they get it and I get it. And you, we have to feel comfortable saying that. Um, but I think we're going to have to define that. And then we're going to have to share the techniques with each other about what works and what doesn't. Um, I don't necessarily want the uh, store to put tactile markings on the ground uh, just for me, uh, but maybe it's a good idea. Uh, maybe we want them to do that. Maybe it's a good idea universally. I did notice when I was at the store that there were other people that didn't even have a clue there was anything on the ground and they're not blind. We get to be part of that conversation and we could speculate about what it's going to be and how it's going to be, but I think we're going to have to live in it and shape it together and then share that information like we always do in the Federation. And we'll have to decide what's reasonable, what's not based on our philosophy and our shared vision for what the future is going to be. And as a follow-up question to that from Jasmine Polite related to reading Braille signage in public places as we move forward due to COVID-19, how that may affect blind people. Yeah, well, it's something for us to think about. Um, I guess, um, I mean, to some extent, uh, it's maybe not different than reading Braille signage has been before. This probably just heightens our awareness of uh, uh, what we're doing and um, to make sure that we're following, you know, appropriate hygiene and that sort of thing. Um, it's possible that, you know, we want to think about um, advocating that Braille signs should be uh, made out of certain materials that, that might be more resistant. Maybe there's techniques to, um, to help those signs be uh, disinfected more often. Maybe that's something we need to raise the awareness of um, folks operating buildings that, you know, they're probably not thinking about disinfecting their signs. So I think there's an awareness piece that we can bring there. Um, you know, I don't think we necessarily want to have blind people uh, encouraged to wear gloves every time they try to read a, a Braille sign. But, you know, that that may be a reality and that that may be something that blind people choose to do to keep themselves protected. But I think there are things we can do, like working with building owners on just raising the awareness. You know, this is a surface that's going to be touched just like a door handle. So you should be taking precautions to clean it. But I'd okay. be interested in other people's ideas about that as well. Great. Thank you. And we a couple more questions we have related to convention. 
I know this is a very important topic to everybody. And so I want to share this one. This relates to our access for deafblind members or deafblind people who are attending our convention for the first time, how we'll be handling that this year. Well, again, we don't exactly know because we don't know what the um, platform is going to look like. But uh, obviously, uh, the closed captioning aspect of Zoom has been working really well for our deafblind members. And, and um, the uh, other methods that we might do uh, for access, we're not exactly sure, depending on uh, what the platform is. So we're obviously our deafblind members are an important constituency. I know we've had some people reach out and say they would be uh, willing and uh, ready to help um, do captioning if necessary or um, do uh, additional voicing if necessary. So I think uh, that's something to be determined. And we're also going to be looking to our deafblind division to help uh, define that. Excellent. Okay. And Alex Kaiser from New Jersey would like to know if there'll be an announcement at convention about the 2021 convention's location. Well, that's a great question. What do you think, Pam? Should we announce it at the uh, convention this summer? I think that's a fabulous idea. Okay, yeah, great idea. Uh, thanks for bringing it up. We'll we'll put that in the mix. It wouldn't have occurred to me to announce it. <laughs> I think maybe until December. So yeah, that's a good idea. We'll announce it. Yeah, Alex. I'm sure Alex was speaking for many. <laughs> <laughs> so we do, I just we do have a great convention location uh, in 2021. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about it, and I, I, I'll be more excited frankly, to get back in person uh, with the Federation family. Um, I'm looking forward to this year's convention in a big way, but uh, it's going to be different. And uh, it's, it's going to be hard to incidentally come across people in the hallway. And uh, I haven't figured out yet how we're going to greet people in the presidential suite, but we're going to do it. Um, but it's, it's not going to be the same. So um, partly I'm looking forward to the 2020 convention as the um, the launching point for getting ready for the next convention. Excellent. I know I'm looking forward to the rookie roundup. So we we are, we have many great things planned. So I want to say thank you to everybody who submitted questions. We will definitely be following up with those. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of the questions tonight, but we will follow up with you and. Again, President Riccobono, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together. I know that we are all refreshed and renewed and re-energized as we come together tonight for our Federation family. Thank you again for your compassion and your courage, and I'll turn it over to you for the customary endings. <laughs> uh, thank you, Pam, and thank you uh, for managing our questions and for your continued uh, leadership and stewardship of the work that we do in this uh, organization. It's a pleasure to work with you. I do want to uh, invite in everybody to our next presidential release, which will be Thursday, June 4 at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So Thursday, June 4th uh, for our last presidential release before the 2020 National Convention. Please be sure that you register 
for the convention before June 4, just so you have that out of the way. And please take a moment, in addition to considering a contribution to the Federation for Giving Tuesday now, please take a moment, write a thank you note to the Gibney Family Foundation uh, for supporting the Federation. Send it to outreach at nfb.org. It'll make a big difference. If you are participating this evening and you are not a member of the Federation, I invite you to do so. Uh, you can find information about how to join at nfb.org. Uh, go to join us. You can find information about your local affiliate. We'd love to have you as a member of our organization. We need your support. We need you working with us and we believe we have something to offer. Thank you very much everybody for the great work that's happening around the country to continue to sustain and build our movement. It's gonna be even stronger after all of this. I encourage each and every one of you to stay well, stay connected. Let us know if we need to do something to protect blind people in your local community. And with that, I will say, here are the customary endings and let's go build the National Federation of the Blind. Hello, my name is Austin Riccobono and I'm here to tell you a joke. What does duct tape and the force have in common? I don't know, what? It has a light side and a dark side and it binds the galaxy together. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Riccobono and I have a riddle for you. You do? If you give me a snack, I'll live. If you give me water, I'll die. Why am I? What are you? Uh, a hungry plant. Oh. No? What? Fire. Oh. Um, my name's Oriana, and I'll tell you a joke. Hey, Dad, do you know the difference between a pack of elephants and a pack of cookies? Uh, I do not. What? I'm glad that Mom does the grocery shopping. Don't. The preceding message was brought to you by Mark Riccobono, President, National Federation of the Blind, Office of the President at nfb.org, 410-659-9314, www.nfb.org. Let's go build the National Federation of the Blind.